everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelins and Set as part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We have with us, as always, my co-host Steve Flink, who has been on site every day since the U.S. Open has started. We're time stamping this first. It is now Monday morning of Labor Day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. So we're going to record with Steve and then we're going to let Steve get back on site and do what he does and watch all the fantastic tennis. We'll lead you off with this, Steve. Standing ovation for the Americans, both men and women. Great performance so far. Yeah, having three American men get this far, and it, it hasn't happened and since 2005. The unfortunate thing, uh, if we can complain a little bit, is that they're, they're stacked up against each other. To have, you know, Tommy Paul playing Shelton for a place in the quarters, to, to meet Tiapo for a place in the semis, they were all sort of loaded in that section. But it's been a tremendous showing, and obviously, you know, Coco Golf at, at leading the way among the women, along with Jess Pagula. So it's been an exciting time for the Americans. And on the flip side of what you said, Steve, that's okay if they're starting to face each other in the second week of a slam. We don't want yeah. them facing off early in the first week. Yeah. So that's a good problem to have if there is one, right? And I mean, you, like you said, we got three men in. We got Coke. We got two definitely in the women because we have Coco already in. We have Madison Keys playing Jessica Pagula. The first match up on Ash today. So one of them is getting through. And we still have former NCAA champ Peyton Stearns, who plays the Wimbledon champion. That's going to be a tough test for Peyton. But again, New York crowd, you never know. True. Absolutely. The kind of match that could unnerve her a bit. We'll, we'll see. But it's, a, it's an opportunity for her. Let's see if she can make a dent there. Great opportunity. So let, let me go back. Um, this is our mid-tournament recap, obviously. Three players that... Um, really have kind of struggled uh, as of late, and especially at this tournament, especially one. But um, I'll give you the three. Maria Sakkari um, loses in the first round. Third consecutive time now, Steve. The first round of a slam. Third consecutive time. Venus Williams lost 6-1, 6-1. She, I, I, she pulled out of a tournament before the U.S. Open, so I think she was a little injured. She clearly wasn't herself. And then Stefano Tsitsipas, Loses to Stricker. Stricker had a really good tournament, but this is the third year in a row now that Sitsipas bowed out real early. You remember in 2021 the great match versus Carlos in the third round. Last year he lost to Gallon in the first round. Um, Soccer, Venus, Sitsipas. I'll let you go any order you prefer. What's going on with them? Oh uh, well, let's let's start with Sakar. Uh, let's start with Sakari. She's I think she's a head case. I know you've always been a big believer in her with good reasons. A lot of ability, very quick around the court, great competitor, cap- capable at, if everything broke right of of stealing a major somewhere along the line. But this happens to her too often. I think things get in her head. I think she gets very down on herself. It's almost like she could use a sports psychologist i don't mean that to be too critical but i i believe i don't think this is anything to do with her game i think it's to do with her head sits a pass okay let's get to the obvious point uh, he, he's in this relationship with bedosa uh, i i honestly think he's a little distracted these days by that and uh you know maybe that's affecting his play then then this history that you just alluded to at the open doesn't help either the carlos loss was perfectly explainable given who Carlos is now and what we knew he was in the process of becoming then. So, and it was a great match. It went right down to the wire in the fifth set. So, okay. Uh, the third one. Gallon was last year. Gallen no, I mean, was- oh, the third player, the third player. Oh no, you got it. Oh, Venus and Venus. Venus. Well, Venus. Yes. She was playing really well earlier in the year. And she had a really 
great match against Ostapenko. And you're right, she'd gotten hurt coming in. But this is what's going to happen when you're 43 years old. It's it's remarkable that she would even still be giving herself any kind of a chance right now. But I've got to believe that if she plays any more, next year will be it. And who could blame her if she decided to stop? It was it was honorable that she would try, uh, despite pulling out of the warm-up tournament. But too bad to see her have to go down in such a one-sided uh, clash. I don't think she I don't think this will be the way that she goes out in New York. I think because of how it went down, I think she's going to give it a go again. I think it was so quick, so, but, so one sided. I think she's going to she's going to try one more time. True, but it, it, it may be. But it'll be depend on the state of her body. It's like, yes. I mean, God, Serena would lo- would have loved to have been still out there. But then she realized that it was it was too much for her and she couldn't stay healthy physically. And that might happen to Venus. Hopefully not. Hopefully next year she can make some decent showings and bow out much more on her own terms because this clearly was not on her terms. Yeah, that's that's well said. We'll see. We'll we'll see. Hopefully she can stay healthy and she can uh, give herself one more shot. Uh, I think she would really, really want that. Let's go back to a match now. We'll call it the Comeback Kids. I was so excited to watch it. I was so excited to dissect it. That's Caroline Wozniacki versus Jen Brady. The winner of that match was most likely going to play Coco Goff, which is what happened, and we'll get to that in a minute. But Caroline Wozniacki against Jen Brady, both of them coming back. Um, for different reasons, right? Uh, being away for different reasons. Caroline retiring, having two kids. Now she's back. Jen Brady just had two years of injuries. Um, so good to see both of them back. So, And more importantly, so good to see both of them playing at the level that they're playing at right now. It's crazy that it's that good. This match to me, the, the, the Wozniacki-Brady match, I mean, Brady's up a set in 2-0. And strategically, I think Wozniacki played this very well. She played a ton a ton of backhand to backhand patterns and worked out well for Caroline. Jen to me later in that second set got completely gassed, completely gassed and just had nothing really left in the third set, the backhand to backhand pattern. We're going to flip that when Caroline plays Coco, when we talk about that match, but the Wozniacki Brady match, I think strategically Wozniacki played that brilliantly. Well, her experts interesting that you'd refer to that, that, backhand to backhand pattern because she alluded to it herself on the uh, and basically what she was saying was my my backhand on the line has always been a money shot for me but it wasn't working so I so then I decided I was going to hit every ball cross court now by the latter stages of the match when when she kind of had a fatigue Brady and once she had her confidence back she was going down the line much more than she had earlier but that was so that was really that she felt she had to go cross court because the down the line was letting her down. But it, 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 it was very effective. Listen, here's what I'd say about her, David. Beyond the match with Brady, she had the great win over Kvitova as well. And then she gave herself a, a real chance against Coco. And uh, she from the middle of the second set from three all, you know, she held, broke, held and then broke at the start of the third. So she was on a four game run, all the momentum on her side. She started, I don't want to say complaining, talking to the umpire about putting the lights on. The late afternoon light in that stadium is very difficult. I know from sitting in there and watching a lot of matches that she had a very valid claim. She'd asked to do the same thing in the Brady match. But the umpire in this case was a little slow to honoring the request. And Carolyn was asking quite politely. She said, I'd really appreciate it if you could put the lights on it. Suddenly she put him on in the middle of the fifth game of that third set. And 
that was an awkward time to put him on. But I, I think that maybe Carolyn was a little preoccupied with that. And then Coco lifted her game again. Then we had the added element of Coco getting annoyed with Gilbert, you know, for talking, didn't want him talking. And that I thought was a little strange because I think she's got to leave it to him in some ways. I, I get it. There are times you don't want to hear it. But on the other hand, your coach, he, he has to make a judgment, too, on when he thinks there's something crucial to offer. But they'll work their way through these things. She, she was laughing about it afterwards. And Brad, Brad is not a thin-skinned guy. He can handle that, and he'll work it out with her. But I do – bottom line is I think Wozniacki is so much on the right track. In some ways, I thought she was playing better than ever. There's a, there's a newfound aggression in her game, David. And when you sit down low, as I was yesterday, as I was for the Brady match and the golf match, She's, I think she's hitting the ball with a bit more bite and pace. The, the backhand has got real uh, power behind it. And the forehand, she's hitting harder off the forehand as well. There's, there's a real difference to me from the old Wozniacki that she's basically said, I was gone for three and a half years. I've got to adjust. The only way I'm going to get back up to the top is I'm going to have to be taking a, a be slightly more aggressive and be willing to make a few more mistakes in the process of hitting really big shots. And it was it was a terrific run for her. And if she'd been able to maybe get one more hold at the start of the third, who's to know what happens? Because then Coco went on a tear after breaking back for one all, and it was all in her favor thereafter. Very interesting, fun match to watch. Let me ask you this, Steve, because we talked about how strategically brilliant it was, the backhand-to-backhand pattern, Wozniacki versus Brady. You need to flip that now when you play Coco. you got to go forehand-to-forehand. Coco's athleticism and her backhand has been unbelievable. She's dictating, controlling the points with her backhand. I thought, especially during the pressure points, Wozniacki has to go forehand-to-forehand to to Coco. And Coco was making her fair share of errors on the forehand. I think Wozniacki could have done that a little more. Well, that's that's that. Sorry to interrupt, David. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think she was doing it in the second set, and that's why Coco made so many mistakes up the forehand as Carolyn pounded it. Then I think she felt as if Coco was finding her range a little bit better up that forehand. It's hard to know why that stopped, why she stopped employing that tactic as much. But I do feel it was more that she she started pressing a bit herself. She missed a few herself as well, uh, Carolyn, and, and that discouraged her and let a few openings get away. And then Coco was just back in the right mindset. I, I, I th- Those rallies were so hotly contested, David. And I, I think that I, I think that Carolyn would agree with you that that cross forehand to forehand is in her favor. But then I thought that Coco also got more solid off that side across the third set. And now what an, what a wonderful opportunity. It's almost like be careful what you wish for, but what a wonderful opportunity for Coco Goff because late last night, Elena Ostapenko beats the world number one, Iga Sviatek. Ostapenko now plays Coco Goff in the quarters. I say, Steve, be careful what you wish for because Coco and Ostapenko are one versus one, or one and one in head to head. And we all remember in Australia, You've seen Ostapenko do it last night. You saw Ostapenko do it against Coco in Australia. When Ostapenko plays lights out, you just don't have a chance. She just hits you off the court. Now, the question is, can she do that consistently over a number of matches? For the Coco fans and for the New York fans and for the American fans, we hope that is not the case. And if you can get through that match, the other quarter is wide open. This Ostapenko and Goff avoid 
the Pagulas, the Jabors, the Sabalenkas. The winner of that match has a wonderful opportunity to get to the final. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I, I, I think that uh, I was a little puzzled by Iga last night uh, because she won the first set, came back from 4-1 to 4-3, broke back for 3-4, serving for 4 all in the second, and then it all got away from her. She Next thing you knew, she's down 5-love in the third, and, and she got destroyed and managed to salvage a game. Uh, you're right. There are times when you're totally at Ostapenko's mercy, and this is what happened to Halep in the French final way back when, uh, when she won her lone major title. But I, I do think that Swiatek, it just surprised me that she didn't try, wasn't able to prolong some of these rallies. The rallies were way too short. Okay, I understand that Ostapenko makes that first strike very quickly, and sometimes you're helpless. But I think there are other times, there are times that I thought Iga conceded winners. Coco, I think, is is an even slightly better mover than Ego, who's terrific in her court coverage. And maybe that will help her. And she's got to dig some of those balls out of the corner and then in turn, take make the aggressive move herself first. Beat her to the punch. I'm sure that Gilbert will be onto that for her. And I think she can reverse the result of the Australian Open. I really do. There's a reason why Ostapenko comes in here seated 20. I mean, she's not a... We're not looking at a top five player, even if she sometimes looks like that herself on given days given right. it's the consistency right yeah that to be a top five player you need that consistency she's a little too up and down um i'll ask you i think i know the answer you like coco in that match and then advancing to the finals of the u.s open i do i do yeah i think you know she survived a bunch of these three setters one after another she's really competing well i expect her to actually take her game up a notch from here and uh i, I you know, and, and get back, by the way, one of the things that she didn't want to do against Carolyn, the surprising, was to loop her forehand more. She got, she started really trying to hit it, flatten it out a bit, hit it harder. And when she did that, that's when she was missing. And I felt like in, in the previous rounds, she was more inclined and more helped by rolling it, giving herself that safety net, and then waiting for the back end that you described so well that can dictate. Yes. Um, I mean, the bottom half of the women's draw is loaded. I mean, we, we already talked about you got young American Peyton Stern. She plays the Wimbledon champ, Vondrasova. You got Keys versus Pagula. You got Jabor in there. You got Sabalenka in there. Everyone on the top side of the women's draw is happy they're on that top side. Let's start with the first match on Ash today. Keys versus Pagula. I'll compare Keys to Ostapenko, not by any means of style of play. I'm just being, making the comparison on if Keys is hot and on fire, she can hit any player off the court. Again, the same thing with Madison, a little bit too up and down. And then you got Jesse Pagula, consistent as she goes, um, just takes care of business. I, I I can't wait to watch that match. I think Pagula gets that gets through. Oh, I definitely think she gets through. She survived a, 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 a typically hard-fought match against Swidalina, second time she's beaten her this summer. Three sets again, losing the middle set. I think she's playing well overall. And I don't think, I, I, it's interesting you say that. Yes, Keys, I don't think Keys is quite as explosive as Ostapenko. And she, she can blast you off the court, but not quite so uh, emphatically. And I just feel like Jess will have a, the depth and she can answer with her own strategic acumen and she's, She's just such a good match player. I expect her to beat Madison. In fact, I expect her to win in straight sets today. That's my guess. Who? I mean, this was crazy, Steve. We talked about even, I think it was during Cincinnati, maybe even tournament before, you had just said hypothetically, you would love, I, I, who wouldn't love it, to see a Pagula-Goff 
final. You didn't even know the draws were out. They could have been on the same side. You had no idea. But, I mean, we are not that far away from that happening, Steve. We are not that far away from that happening. And, boy, what a joy would that be for the New York crowd. No, I mean, obviously, it, it, Jess is going to play keys. as we have mentioned. Then she'd get a chance, probably, I'm assuming, to avenge the loss of Andrusova at Wimbledon when she had 4-1 in the third and point yeah. for 5-1. So this, I, I think here with the American crowd, uh, she'd have a good, she'd have a decent chance to do that. And then that would put her into the semis and maybe she plays Sabalenka in the semis. And who's to say, you know, Sabalenka is again, one of those players who, who can blast you off the court. We know that immense power on both sides. And sometimes it's a, it's, it's excruciating to be on the other side of the net. But I, I, yeah, I think that Pagula is in with a shot in all of those matches. And we already talked about Coco. So my dream final is, getting closer to reality it really is it really is no we're not there yet but it's it's getting closer to where it was when you first said it obviously i mean we're not that far away the one other player we talked about we were a little concerned with lack of match prep um physically also mental the the mental wounds from wimbledon she's been sick but she's been surviving and again we felt that it may be okay that she wasn't on everyone's you know top list to get to the final is Anz Jabor, a possible quarter with Sabalenka. Hopefully Anz is starting to feel better because she's really been fighting some virus and it's something was going through the first week in New York. A lot of players were getting sick. Hopefully that does not uh, affect anybody uh, the remainder of the way, but um, we'll see. Anz is surviving and she's getting through and it's a chance she can play Sabalenka in, a, in an exciting quarter. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, uh, I don't like her chances the way she's been playing. I hope that maybe feeling better playing away in the form, I, I she's going to have to take it up about 10 to 12% to have that opportunity. But the crowds have been with her. They've been helping to pull her through. She's won a couple of three setters in a row. So let's see if she can pull it off. But I, I think I, on current form, I would take Sabalenka to beat her. All right, let's go talk to let's let's go flip it now to the men's side. We mentioned three Americans, top eight. Obviously, they're all uh, in in that one side of the draw together. But um, the match yesterday that I think a lot of American fans had their eye on was the the Tommy Paul uh, Ben Shelton match. And Tommy had beaten Ben in Australia. It's a lot of Australia rematches. I'm thinking about that right now. Right, we had Tommy and Ben. We had Coco and Ostapenko. But um, Tommy versus Ben, both were playing good form. Um, I was expecting Tommy to get through that match. The first set, I mean, Tommy has an easy forehand sitter to go up 4-0, double break, doesn't get it done. One for eight in break points in that first set. Ben is two for two, uh, and his chances of the first set. Um, ben wins that, Ben wins the first set 6-4. Tommy's going to have nightmares about that. Um, ben gets through a couple of 149-mile-an-hour bombs he's slinging um playing loose and free uh, i thought tommy would get through obviously i wouldn't be disappointed with the result because i like both of them and they're both americans we want to get them as, as far as um they can possibly go what'd you see in that match well you you alluded to the key game of the match and it really wasn't just the one's easy forehand pass that he missed to go for love but three more break points in that game and a cup, little bit unlucky on a couple of lobs that went just in, you know, not that he didn't miss by much, but I never thought that just because the double break opportunity got away, that the whole set was going to slip away like that. And next thing you know, he's lost at six, four. That was really surprising. And uh, I think then it, you know, it really 
propelled Ben through that second set. And then obviously Ben had 4-1 in the third and he got tight. And so Tommy was sort of invited back into the match by Ben. And unfortunately, he could not take advantage of it. All credit to Ben because he sort of, he composed himself again, served really well in the fourth. What I love about his serve, by the way, is how he mixes the speeds and spins. You mentioned the 149s, but he hits some vicious slicers out wide in the ad court. They, they tend to run from 115 to 117. And, you know, he, he, he's, always, he's always changing it. He's always mixing it up. You don't really know what's coming all the time. And he's a very skillful server. And so he deserved the win. But, it, but the match would have been, in my view, a totally different match if Tommy Paul breaks for, for 4-11, even if he just held on to the one break and wins that opening set. That was cr- critical to the outcome of the, of the match. And I'm sure you're right that he will have nightmares about that because he made the, the perfect start, impeccable start, and did not take advantage of it and put himself behind. And that it was really tough to fight back. And that you could see the, the energy and, and inspiration that came into Ben Shelton once he turned that first set around. And, and he, shout out and, and shout out to Tommy because I, I mean, he had a great, great summer, right? He, he advanced far in tournaments. He beat Carlos in one. He lost a tough three setter to him in another. I thought when he was down two sets to love in the second round, Steve, I, I'm saying to myself, if he loses this match, if Tommy loses this match, what a waste of such a productive summer for Tommy. And thankfully, he got through that match. Round of 16, loses to a fellow compatriot. Um, not the he would have loved to get further, obviously, but no, no shame. Round he he what he make the semis of Australia, round of 16, uh, the US Open after a great summer. When he looks back at it, yeah, he'll be disappointed uh at the outcome of this match. But when he when he takes a step back and looks back, this was best year by far, Steve. Oh, yes, but I would still say there's some there's some it, it still comes back to what you're saying, even with the law. It's still very disappointing him, and not not that he doesn't respect Shelton, but to have a big opportunity like that get away. Because then if he wins it, he plays Tiafo in the quarters, a match that we all would have eagerly anticipated. I would have given him a very good chance to beat Francis in that match and be in his second major semifinal of the season. That's what's going to haunt him. And then he would have had a chance to play Novak in the semis again. And that would have been nice for him. So I, I feel like, in his mind, he let himself down. I, he's a good, he's a thorough professional. He'll bounce back from this in a hurry, but this was an opportunity missed. All right. Um, you mentioned the TFO Shelton quarter. Um, Francis has been playing great, right? You know, he's loving the crowds. Shelton, he's got a ton of confidence right now. It's going to be entertaining. I I see, again, if Shelton is serving lights out and, you know, you get to tie breaks, you just don't know what can happen. I see TFO getting through that match. I thought Paul was going to get through the match for Shelton. I was wrong there. So I, I think TFO gets through. But again, if Shelton's serving well, I, it's really tough to beat Ben. It is. No, I think I, I see it pretty much the way you do. If I had to kind of, someone said, okay, your life depends on who's winning this match. I say TFO, but not with a lot of confidence. I, I, I would not be feeling good, terribly good about my life making that call. Because he's, he, you know, it, it is going to be out of his hands. And sometimes we don't know how well he's going to cope with the serve. I don't know if his return is quite as good as Tommy's. And Tommy returned quite well at times against Ben. But I think that, that Francis will have great difficulties, particularly with that wide slice in the ad court. But obviously, Ben's going to unload with those 142s and 148s and 149s again, too. 
And there'll be times when Francis is quite uncomfortable. What I want to see, David, and what I think it will depend on, is he did surprisingly well from the backcourt against Tommy. He stayed in some longer rallies, and, and he, his backhand got more solid as the match went on, and his forehand is explosive, and he takes it uh, up the line very nicely at times. And I feel like uh, if he can sort of hold his own from the baseline, Francis is going to be the better player from the baseline. In addition to serving really well, that would be his avenue to victory. So I'm really I'm lo- looking forward to watching that match. As, a, as we all are. So then the, the other match right below them is the Fritz Djokovic match. Taylor, he had his toughest match last night against Stricker, but Taylor's been just crushing everyone. Novak had the big had the big match versus Dejer played lights out for two sets, right? Gets up two sets of lovers, Novak. Novak comes back, advances. We always say for anyone in pretty much any sport, when you go through a tournament like this, whether it's individual or team, there's always that one match that gets a little dicey. And if you can get through that, a lot of times it may be more, not total smooth sailing, but a little bit more of a smooth sailing the rest of the way. That was Novak's scary match. He gets through. He plays Taylor. We all remember what happened in Cincinnati. He beat, he smoked Taylor. The first set takes, what, 26 minutes or something? Uh, 6-0, easy. Uh, second set was a little bit tighter, but but, but no real test. I think, <laughs> I don't know what Fritz is going to have to do, but he's going to have to play lights out to beat Novak. Yeah, now you know what, David? It was actually only 21 minutes. 21 minutes. First set in Cincinnati. And then Taylor did go up 4-2 in the second and then, but Novak ran it out four straight games very comfortably from there. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very hard for Taylor. He will have a, more, a, a larger, more animated crowd here than he had at Cincinnati that could help him. The freshness helps him. He hasn't lost a set coming into the quarters, and he's talked about how important it is to get through your matches as swiftly as possible at these majors and conserve energy. But obviously, he's up against it against someone who returned. I mean, he hasn't played a return or anything, anybody, anything close to anywhere near as good as Novak. And he's had some good matches. There was a one match in Australia where he went five, and Djokovic got hurt midway through, but still a great performance from Taylor. Two tie breaks at the year-end championships last year in Turin. That was a good effort. But obviously, it, 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 to me, it, it, it all adds up to Djokovic in three or four sets in, in the end. It's just hard to see how he doesn't win that match. And, and But let's see. I mean, it's, it's a breakthrough performance from Taylor to get to a U.S. Open quarter. We've been waiting for something like that from him. And I do, you know, he obviously will depend on him having a stellar serving night. If the serve is a little bit off like it was at times in Cincinnati, then he could get beaten badly. But if, it's, if the service is at full efficiency, then maybe he keeps him, can keep these sets relatively tight. And then we flip to the top side of the draw. They're still in the round of 16. They're finishing up that uh, they're finishing up their matches today. Carlos, uh, top of the draw, plays a Naldi. He should get through that. And then the quarter, he'll play the winner of Zverev and Sinner. And everybody, you know, pre-US Open talk was like, well, who can derail an Alcaraz Novak final? People said Sinner may be that guy. Um, Zverev's playing pretty well. He played a really good two sets with Dimitrov, both guys, Grigor and Zverev, very high level. Um, after that second set tiebreaker that Grigor lost, Grigor's level slipped a little bit and Zverev's level went up. But um, Zverev's playing good. I, but but again, that 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 one bump in the road of that Alcaraz-Novak final, everyone's saying Sinner, and they're both Alcaraz and Sinner, one match away from that quarterfinal clash. 
They are. Now, I think that the Zarev Sinner match is almost a toss up uh, because Sasha's in really good form and he's got his confidence back. He turned things around in Cincinnati when he finally ended his losing streak against Medvedev and then played a good semi against Djokovic. And he's played well here and he's got he's had an unblemished record against Sinner, which helps the lifetime dominance so far. But Sinner's improved so much that you have to throw some of that out. But I honestly think, I mean, Sinner's the one we really want to see because he had a match point against Carlos here last year. And it was the match of the tournament, maybe maybe the match of the year, their five-set clash. And I feel like um, I, I'd rather see that, but I also wouldn't count out Zarev in, in, against Sinner. Or, by the way, if he were to beat Sinner, I'd give him an outside chance against Carlos. But I, I, think, that, I think that Sinner is... Uh, should be primed for that. I think he should have just enough to get over the finish line against there. Just enough. But I think they may go five. And then the other intriguing match, not a lot of people are talking about both these guys, but the, the champ in, in what, 2021, Daniil Medvedev plays Alex Dimonar. Alex Dimonar has been playing really, really well, beating guys pretty, pretty badly. That's an intriguing match. Again, both those guys are not getting talked about. Ton, maybe it's not on show course for someone, or maybe it's late at night. Um, but that, that's going to be an interesting clash between those two. Oh, listen, Alex, Demonor beat him at the end of last year. And then he's beaten him again this summer. He's won the last couple against Medvedev. Medvedev is going to be well aware of that. Demonor has been in excellent form here. So I, I think that Daniel's going to have his test of the tournament. I only give him a really slight edge going into that match to turn it around and beat Demon or I think it's going to be a very t- tough match. And uh, I'm looking forward to Demon or definitely believes he can do it again. And when you've knocked off a player of that stature twice like that, then you, there's no reason in your mind you can't uh, do it again. You can't replicate it. So I, I, I feel like he stays with, he's very solid from the base and he stays with, with Daniel in the long rallies. And, you know, he, he, he believes he's right in there with a chance and he returns well against Daniel as well. And he's a guy, kind of guy that can come back from a breakdown and beat you. So I, I think that's going to be uh, that, that again could, could well go the distance. We're almost uh, at about a half hour here of recording time. I want to get you out of here and get you back on site. I'll leave it for you. Uh, final thoughts. Cause the next time we re- we record, we're, we're going to have winners on both the men's and women's side. And what an intriguing ladder stages of both the men's and women's draws we have coming our way. Yeah. I mean, I still think as I did, as we, we believed all along and I, I'm not going to change my mind that it's still going to come down to another, uh, another hard fought, perhaps epic contest between Djokovic and Alvarez for the men's title on Sunday. I still see that. I also like the fact, by the way, I made one bad prediction. I apologize to the listeners. I didn't think we were going up into the 90s in the temperatures this week when we talked about the original forecast for the first week, but it has. However, these 90-degree days are going to be gone, David, by when, by Thursday, apparently, so that if Djokovic and Alcaraz were to meet again, it won't, it won't be Cincinnati conditions. So it'll be much more comfortable. I'm glad about that, uh, but I still see that. Uh, and I'll, I'll just say that something there's something in the air and that Coco is going to win the women's title. That's my view right now. Let's see. Let's, I mean, uh, the, it's great that there's so many Americans still left in the latter stages of the tournament. Um, again, credit to you for having that dream hypothetical final before the draws even came out um, with the Pagulagoff 
final. It very well could happen. Let's keep going one match at a time. We're going to get you out of here. Get back on site. Um, enjoy the tennis, and we're going we're gonna to talk again soon uh, once uh, champions are crowned, Mr. Flink. Looking forward to it, David. We'll, we'll recap it early next week, and it's going to be an exciting – well, obviously, we've got the last seven days coming up as we speak, and, and each one will get more and more dramatic. Cannot wait.